That is the worst. That 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 ending is so bad that I tell people don't even bother watching the show. Oh come on. Oh absolutely yeah. No no. They spend the entire show explaining why Ted, who is terrible by the way, uh, shouldn't be with Robin, and then he ends up with her. It makes no sense. No, that, I disagree. I think that you what 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 we see is that Ted and Robin. Um, are good together, but they have really different priorities and what they want in life, and they're incompatible. They're not incompatible personality-wise. They're incompatible because, I mean, this is the reason that they break up, is because he wants to have kids and she doesn't. He wants to be in New York and she wants to travel the world. And so the point is, they do all those things, and then they end up together, because they are soulmates. No, but they're not. They have so many episodes where Ted realizes Robin's not the woman for me. There's one episode he literally like grabs a balloon and floats away from Robin and it's like blissful. It's like, oh, it's finally over. I'm finally free. No, it's not that he's free. It's that he's letting go. It, it's art. Welcome to Twin Takes, episode 15, uh, in which we'll discuss part 14 of Twin Peaks, season three, The Return. I'm Kabir. I'm with my David Lynch Sherpa, Garrett. How are you, Garrett? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Excited about this episode. Oh, you are? Uh, In that it is really bad. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, I guess. It is quite bad. And I'm I'm ready to take you to task. Oh, interesting. Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Did you did you like it? Were you on board? Oh yeah, I loved it. Oh yeah, more than more than usual, or just a regular love? No, this was this is a good this is a good episode right here. Yeah. This is good stuff. This is high art. This is everything you want in um, prestige TV. Man, uh, I, I can't. I'll, I'll see if I can figure it out as we go through. But there was at one point where you often, I'm correctly, you know, refer to the show as as prestige TV or prestige television. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember at one point I was like, "This is this is not prestigious." <laughs> I don't I don't remember what exactly it was. I don't think I wrote it down. But uh, oh, there's so many good parts, though. Oh, uh, man, let's start in in Buckhorn with uh, Deputy Director Lynch and the FBI crew. Okay. Uh, so uh, we start with David Lynch, and he's calling. He's returning a call to the Twin Peaks Police Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you that uh, my dread and consternation with this episode, usually, you know, I try to go in with an open mind and it, and it sort of ramps up my, my frustration. Okay. Here we started right, right on top because we start with David Lynch calling Lucy on the phone, the two most <laughs> difficult to communicate with characters. Yeah, a yeah. real a real uh, blind leading the blind in terms of vocal communication. Yeah, yeah uh, you're right. So uh, we get a lot of uh, David Lynch yelling into the phone and Lucy going on random tangents, uh, <laughs> very confused. Eventually, there, there's no there's no substance here really. Um, eventually, uh, David Lynch gets through to Sheriff Truman. There's one great long pregnant pause. Where yes. Lucy mentions something and yeah, Lucy Lucy makes kind of a joke. Yes, and David Lynch just stares. I think he's holding the receiver away from his mouth because he's yelling at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just kind of looks down and to the corner, <laughs> and I can't tell if he's confused or if he's just purposefully waiting for her to to to, to connect him to her superior. I think he's shaming uh, her for her, her terrible, <laughs> for a terrible you know, anecdote. He's like, you know, I'm the goddamn deputy director of the FBI. Like, I, you uh, know, transfer the call. Truman tells Lynch um, that he's found missing pages from Laura Palmer's diary, and there's reference to two different coops. Uh, uh, yes. Lynch says, "Okay, okay, I can't share any inv- information about the ongoing investigation, but this is very, very helpful." Right. So, sort of, you know, shows to to Truman that he's kind of on the right on the right track. Yeah. I was kind of anticipating that there would be more uh, coming together, you know, um, that maybe, maybe actually does this, now my memory is failing me. Does this, does this happen too? Does Lynch say he has to go to Twin Peaks? No, I don't think does he happened. 
does. No, I don't think so. So it is. Yeah, I mean that's a valid criticism, right? That no, I don't even mean to criticize. I honestly can't remember now. I feel like I think that he had said that he wanted to go to Twin Peaks, but now I'm not sure. I don't think so because there. He might have, but I think Diane will reveal information that will compel him to want to go to a different city before Twin Peaks. That's that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. Um, but there would be tension there, you know, if there's two competing Coopers, as we know about. Yeah. But that's neither true. one are in Twin Peaks now. So. so Lynch says, thank you for the information. Needless to say, that's very helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. Um, and Truman says, okay. That's kind of the end of that conversation. Yeah. We cut to uh, Miguel Ferrer just doing another, another data dump. Um, we've had a couple different scenes where members of this team just deliver like a lot of backstory and exposition about the Blue Rose. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot here, yeah. He describes the situation that is pretty crazy for a number of reasons. Mm. He talks about the first case uh, on the, that, that sort of was the, the genesis of the Blue Rose task force. Mm-hmm. They're call, two police officers are called in to investigate um, a shooting, mm. and the victim is a woman named Lois Duffy. Mm-hmm. They open the door, and they see Lois Duffy is uh, is a gunshot victim, and she's bleeding out. And there's another woman in the room, and the woman who was bleeding out says, "I'm like the Blue Rose." Yes. And then she dies and disappears. Yes. Yes. They realize the other woman is also Lois Duffy. Yes. And they <laughs> say that, and then Miguel Ferrer is like, "Hey, I know what you're thinking. Lois Duffy does not have a twin." Yes, yes, I, I like that because that was, um, like you said, it's like your logic puzzle twist that they always sit you with. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting detail here is that they say that they arrested the second one, the okay. one that was still alive, mm-hmm. and that she hung herself while awaiting trial. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. My question is, why did they arrest her? I mean, she killed Lois Duffy. But she is Lois Duffy. We, we we they caught a body right they gotta they gotta they put don't have a body away. i don't have anything that's true they don't. <laughs> maybe she's you know waiting trial for um i don't know obstruction a of crime? Uh, obstruction of justice you know i don't know sounds like double jeopardy to me <laughs> no, well ashley think... judd is in this film so <laughs> that's <laughs> that's true uh <laughs> yeah it's it's confusing but did you catch? I, I feel like it's a serious, serious miscarriage of justice that these two officers. And yeah, I do know who they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Cole and Jeffries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which leads me to another question. Bowie and Lynch, huh? Man, <laughs> Bowie I, it, and Lynch sounds like. How about that oh, ride man, along? An amazing, oh. an amazing cop drama that I have to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, on TNT, Bowie mm. and Lynch. <laughs> Uh, so one of two things happened. Either, uh, they were FBI agents who were called in to investigate a random shooting, which is kind of unlikely, or they were both beat cops in, in the Olympia police department, because this was in Olympia, Washington, Hmm. and they both joined the FBI and they both joined this task force because of this experience. I think you just wrote the Bowie and Lynch pilot. The Bowie and Lynch. Pl- <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Maybe I, I, they they imply that they're agents. Um, uh, at the time. Yeah, I remember saying Lynch saying it was in my early years. I guess they could have been. Yeah. Uh, uh, my other question is, you know, obviously these guys are predisposed to believing in the supernatural. Yeah. Why would they arrest her? I don't know, you know. I, that's a good question. Yeah, she should she should have been deputized and brought on the team. She should have she, she should she have joined the task force. Yeah, this poor yeah. woman hung herself, you know, probably because of the trauma of ha- having shot a vision of herself. Yeah, sure. Um, but also because she thought her life was over. Yeah, I mean, just like yeah. poor Matthew uh, Lillard, whom everyone mm. has forgotten except for me, yeah. uh, who's uh, rotting in prison for mm-hmm. a crime he did not commit. He's not rotting in prison. He's his head was 
Oh, that's right. Cave He's man. dead. I forgot. Yeah, no, no. The, the homeless. <laughs> he was, uh, he was the... killed in police custody. Yeah, man, no. if the ACLU gets a hold of, <laughs> of this unit's track record. Yeah. All these people that should have been exonerated are dying in police custody. It's true. Yeah, this is very right. suspicious. You're right. Yeah. Um, you make a lot of good points. Any, any, you know. Uh, and I'm really belaboring this, but I just thought it was so funny. You know, I mean, the, the police arrest her and they're like, OK, what are you bringing in for? Murder. Who did she murder? Herself. Uh, what? She I killed mean, someone who just who looks just like her. And I know what you're thinking. She does not have not a twin. Have a twin yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's let's, you know, we're throwing this up the chain. Where's the where's the body? Oh, the body disappeared. And the only witnesses <laughs> were the two police officers who arrested her and the the suspect. Hmm. I mean, <laughs> did she interview interfere in the investigation in any manner? Uh, she did. Well, book her for obstruction of justice. If she's going away. <laughs> That's what went down. Man. Uh, well, this was Olympia, you know, hmm. Olympia crime. Miguel Ferrer is explaining this to Tammy. And then he says, uh, so <laughs> uh, he says, what? Uh, so what question do you want to ask me? Which. I personally hate, but whatever. He's being Socratic about it. About it. Uh, mm. Tammy says, what is the significance of the blue rose? I know. This is really condescending, right? Uh, yeah, it's very annoying. And uh, it's not the question that I would ask. The question I would ask is, why did you arrest this poor woman? Yeah, yeah. My question would be, uh, why do we got to play this, uh, this dumbass question game? Can yeah. you just talk like normal humans? Uh, or where did the body go? Right. Um, did you find out anything else about the case? Was there a settlement with uh, Miss Duffy? <laughs> that's that's right. Does the does the uh, <laughs> you know is the Olympia Police Department paying for Lois Duffy's kids to go to college? Right. Yeah. Um, uh, can you sleep at night after this miscarriage <laughs> of justice? <laughs> yeah. Um, does David Lynch need a hearing aid because he hears Lois Duffy's voice in his head? Oh. Ooh. Yeah. We can get heavy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she, she, what she chooses to ask, uh, what does the blue rose signify? <laughs> uh, and he's like, and what's the answer? He, he says, what is your question? And then what's the answer? Oh, wow. And then Tammy says, well, the blue rose does not occur in nature. Hmm. And they even use a term that's popular in the F Twin Peaks fan community, which is tulpa. Which I'd never heard of before. Do you know what this word means? I had to look no. it up. No, yeah, that's the word they use to describe the blue rose. Yeah, I didn't know what it meant, and um, I'd only ever heard it used in tw on Twin Peaks forums, you know, <laughs> as I'm browsing late at night. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's, it's a term used in some sort of, it's like a mysticism thing or something. It means it's some sort of, it's like a doppelganger, essentially, that's been created to impersonate. Um, someone who who is living, oh, um, which is essentially what Dougie is, right? It's the same thing with Cooper. All right, Lynch comes in and says, "Coffee time," and gives a little thumbs up. Uh, very strange. <laughs> a uh, a window washer. Oh, I love this. Very very. Uh, uh, this guy loves his job. Um, yeah. Very enthusiastically squeegees the window, uh, cool. and it makes a, a, a squeaking sound. And uh, Lynch. Uh, you know he's got this hearing aid. Uh, Lynch, uh, it 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 you know really screws with his hearing aid, and and Lynch is 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 deafened by it. Yeah, and it takes like an almost like supernatural quality and vibration. Yeah, it's bizarre because the shades are down, so you just see the shadow of the window washer, and he's like frantically squeegeeing the window, mm -hmm. and it goes on for like thirty seconds. It's really strange. Yeah. Very menacing, strange. A little menacing. I thought. Uh... I thought more weird than menacing. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, that ends uneventfully. The squeegee guy finishes his job and moves on to the next window. Diane comes in and uh, she's, you know, being a dick as always. Uh, tells Miguel Ferrer to go fuck himself. Diane uh, confirms uh, that uh, Coop, the night before he, I guess the night, last night they saw each other, Kind of implied that they hooked up, right? I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, she says, I don't want to talk about that night. That's that's all she says. Yeah. I, I think I was under the impression that they had had some sort of romantic encounter the I last think, night they saw each other. Yeah, I think they had an encounter. I'll say no more. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
she confirms that Coop mentioned Briggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they mention this uh, ring that was found in uh, Griggs's body, which we uh, I'm sure you all in the in the listening community remember. It's been two months. Gosh, yeah, six, seven parts ago, um, when they first looked at the when the FBI team first looked at the body, uh, was when it was you know brought up again. But he had he had a, a ring in his stomach yeah. that said. Let's see. Um, to Dougie from Janie E. Yeah, yeah. And we were pretty sure that this was Dougie Jones, but we didn't know uh, what his wife's name was. It's never been mentioned, right? Correct. Uh, I, it has since been mentioned, but at that point, I don't think it had been. Okay. Uh, and then this is this is where the episode. There's a few major groans that I had in this episode. Oh, this was the first one. Yeah. Diane reveals that Naomi Watts, Dougie's wife, is her half sister. Worlds colliding. Uh, yeah. The the chapter breaks. I was, break I was really disappointed. Uh, I thought it was so dumb. Whoa! Um, <laughs> Wait, why? Why? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, the, the, she's related. Yeah. But she says, and, and I guess it could it could be untrue. She could yeah, be misleading them, but she says that we're estranged. Yeah. It just seems like the dumbest way for them to get the lead about Dougie Jones. That's true. That, that's a good point. That Why they're... not the fact that, that someone just ran a fingerprint search for, for Coop mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, which did mm-hmm. just happen? Why can't that be the reason that, uh, he, that, that Las Vegas comes up on the radar? Yeah, it is pretty fortuitous for them that they're yeah that Cooper's uh, former, but you know, I mean, she's married to Dale Cooper. You know, they both have a connection to Dale Cooper. Maybe that's how it all was set up. I don't know. It's 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 not just fortuitous. It's so she's saying that okay, and and also we have to assume that that Dougie's wife, yes, Dougie looks like Dale Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. But that Dougie's wife, unless she also was just created out of nothingness has been married to this 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 Dale Cooper lookalike for many years. Yeah, definitely. And so now we're saying yes, Diane has been estranged from her half sister, but the entire but for years she was working for a man and her half sister was married to a man that were identical. Yeah, I know they don't know. And they yeah. don't know about it. It's just it's it's a lot. <laughs> I know people were complaining about that. I think that's why they, they, you know, that's why they threw in the estranged part. You know, maybe she hates social media. You know, she, uh, she hates it so much she won't even look. She, she throws the. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, away. you know, Dougie Jones is Dougie's wife. Naomi Watts is yeah, all over Facebook. You know true. that for sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, so I guess yeah, maybe Diane is off is off social media. But and Diane, mean, you know, she, you know, she's she could be drinking her martinis. Reading her uh, London review of books. <laughs> is it is this Diana or is this you? Who are we describing? <laughs> uh, I don't drink martinis. Uh, so, if that weren't uh, weird enough, mm-hmm. Lynch suddenly realizes. Oh, I love this. <laughs> Lynch suddenly remembered <laughs> he had a dream last night. Yeah, another Monica Bellucci dream. Yeah, who is this? Oh, she's a famous actress. Wait, wait. Monica Bellucci is the actress? Yeah. So he had a dream about a real actress? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the woman who appears in the dream is the actress. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Monica Bellucci is in one of the Matrix films or something. She must be in a David Lynch film. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, that is very different than what I... Yeah, she's what in, I thought. Uh, okay, she's in the Matrix. Yeah, I thought that this was just a character. He says, uh, <laughs> "I can't, I can't believe that." Um, <laughs> so he says, "He says, I had another Monica Bellucci dream last Bellucci dream last night." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all kind of look at him. So it's this the equivalent of him of me being like, "Oh, I had another dream about I don't know what would he, what would be a, a similar actress." I don't know. Uh, uh, 
I, I mean, we could just, it doesn't have to be an actress, right? It could be, I don't know, another Taylor Swift dream, I guess. You know? <laughs> I don't know. So if I come, I come into work and I'm like, Garrett, I had another dream about Taylor Swift. I, I you know, I look at it like, uh, do I want to hear about this dream? You're like, you're like, go on. I'm sure it's related to the case. Go on, go on. <laughs> well, that's why they give them that look because they're like, what's this old dirty man going to say, you know? You know what? I'm going to describe that's the, the dream. joke. I think I'm going to describe joke. the dream and I'm going to use Taylor Swift. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, we're in the middle of, of, of learning this insane coincidence yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. one of our former employees, now member of our task force, yeah. is the half-sister of the woman whose wedding ring was in the body of another key part of this case. So I say, so this huge bomb has just been dropped. Mm-hmm. And then I say, guys, I just remembered. I had a dream about Taylor Swift last night. Everyone looks okay. at me. All right. Uh... I was, you know, uh, I was in Paris. Well, it's Taylor Swift unplugged, so that makes sense. (laughs) She's in the news a lot, right? That's right. That's right. She's just dropped another album. And uh, I was in Paris, and um, we we met there. We met at a cafe. She was in a really good mood, Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. And she looks at me, and she says, we're like the dreamer who dreams Hmm. and then lives inside the dream. And I remember being very interested in what she had to say. Yeah, I don't know that Taylor, Taylor Swift song. But then she says, well, hold on. Then she says, but who is the dreamer? And mm. I remember feeling a great sense of dread when she said that. And then she pointed behind me. And I turned and I, and I, and I, and I turned around and it was me, younger. Mm-hmm. Listening to my first Taylor Swift album now. <laughs> at, that, at this point, it's not useful to talk about Taylor Swift. Basically, he looks back, yeah, and he sees scenes from Fire Walk with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we see the scene um, that we've referenced a few times, where uh, David Bowie comes in for his for his three minutes on screen as Jeffries. Yeah. He comes in, and you know what? Now that now that we know so much about Jeffries and how he's been missing, and and how how uh, integral he was to the bureau's task force, and how he's been like Cole's partner and best friend for years, it makes way less sense the way that that the way that uh, David Lynch reacts to him. He comes in and he goes, "Jeffries, is that you?" And then Coop comes in right behind him, and he's like, "Coop, you got to meet the famous Phil Jeffries." If you, if my partner and best friend showed up after having been missing missing for years, I wouldn't be like, oh, it's the famous Jeffries. Well, look who just decided to walk in. I'd be like, where the fuck have you been, man? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's why that's why he's deputy director and you're not. <laughs> he wasn't deputy director at the time. Well, uh, stuff. And so, and so, uh, you know, the devote followers of, of Twin Peaks and Twin Takes will remember, of course, from our very first episode that uh, David Bowie walks in, he says a couple weird things, and then he uh, leads them all into a, a, into a hallucination mm-hmm. in the Black okay. Lodge yeah. and then disappears. And some people remember him being there and others don't. And so now that present day... Uh, but in a dream, dream pre- present day dream. David Lynch is seeing this. He remembers that uh, Jeffries was there. As he's describing this dream in which he saw Jeffries, the flashback within a dream. Miguel Ferrer, who was also there at the time, says, "You know what? Yeah, I remember Jeffries being there too." <laughs> it's 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 quite. Um, it's quite baffling. You think uh, Ferrer should remember this? It should have made a bigger imprint on his. No, I just. Uh, it's just that there's so many. I don't like... even know what I want. Uh, <laughs> it's just not this. It's not. Uh, it's, well, this it's is not... this is for people who haven't seen Firewalk with me. To be, to be honest. Uh, I wonder though what information they got from this. Well, it's and I and I guess Cooper. But I can't. I can't imagine that this yeah. information is going to really play a major role in the rest of the show, the rest of the season. No, this is them realizing because Jeffrey says something to Coop 
along the lines of, is that who you think it is? Or do you know which one that is? He implies that there are two Coopers in that scene. Yeah. Which is why Lynch, when he receives the phone call from Truman about two Coopers, it recalls this dream he had, which recalled the event that took place more than 25 years ago. This is probably 30 years ago. But what Jeffries, what Jeffries said, it it wasn't that clear. It was something more like, do you know who that is? (laughs) Yeah. Is that really him or something like that? He implies that it's an imposter. Well, but Jeffries never met Coop. Well, I mean, that's what we think, but he's been living in this, this uh, black lodge along with, cooper now oh we know that but but lynch still doesn't know that well that's the that's the genius of the show oh how can how can lynch all right i I mean i okay uh thumbs up from this guy i'm on board yeah i was i was locked in okay um (laughs) so uh uh so so basically based on the uh the information that um, that uh, based on the information that they got from Diane about this Las Vegas lead, because she knows that her half sister lives in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, they decide that they want to get the Las Vegas FBI office uh, field office involved, so they call um, the Las Vegas FBI group and they say, "We need all the files you have on on Douglas Jones." They they say, "Okay, we're on it," and then they hang up. And the two Las Vegas agents have this exchange uh i'm gonna play a very brief clip for you i'm glad you did this this is a great scene this is definitely top five funniest moments in the show so far i would say there's 23 douglas joneses in the greater metro area yeah how are we gonna find the right one wilson how many times have i told you this is what we do in the fbi (laughs) so that was the sound of him randomly banging on the table and freaking out at Wilson, the subordinate, uh, for daring to question that they might not be able to identify which of the 20-something Douglas Jones is in the Las Vegas area it is. What's also funny about this is uh, Lynch could have given them more information. Uh, they know the name of the wife. That's true. Good point. Yeah, that would have helped. That uh, which is just a little aside, you know, whatever. But <laughs> it's really funny that apparently there's a very hostile, it's a very hostile work environment at the Las Vegas uh, FBI office. So um, uh, <laughs> apparently they're going to go to Las Vegas, figure figure out what's going on there. But are they? I mean, I don't know if that's clear. I think they have. They can go either way. But oh, I, I guess they might not go. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's that's up in the air. But um, they have some leads. Now, uh, now we get to the bulk of the episode, which is um, the Twin Peaks Police Department, and they're they're going on. They're goings on. Oh yeah. Uh, you'll recall that they are um, investigating a lead uh, that was left by Bobby's father, who was Briggs. Yep. Uh, Bobby's uh, long thought dead, but perhaps just uh, in another dimension, somewhat uh, distant and estranged father who had left clues to help uh, Bobby when he come, came of age uh, to find him. Yes. Uh, they start by... Uh, I, I by know. Re- I- Doing my boy dirty. <laughs> I, I, I when you said you hated this episode, I realized why. It's because it's Team Kabir is just getting knocked down. My boy Chad. Right. Yeah. My boy Chad comes into the into the uh, the break room at the Twin Peaks Police Department, and uh, they've got a bunch of sandwiches wrapped up, ham and cheese, turkey and cheese. Of course, Andy, this idiot, uh, has an only cheese sandwich. Um, Hawk calls him out. Yeah, Hawk is like, "What's wrong with you?" Uh, and uh, and then uh, Chad comes in and is like, "Oh, are we uh, are we going somewhere?" <laughs> Hawk draws his weapon and points yeah. at him and says, "Yeah, we're going up the mountain." Yeah, a little, uh, a little aggressive, huh? And then and then the uh, the the other two uh, police officers grab him and handcuff him. Mm. And Chad says, "What's going on?" And he says, "We've been, you know, we've been watching you for weeks." And they take him to jail. Yeah. Where's the uh <laughs> this is not a legal arrest. Where's the where's the oh, due process? So where's the Miranda rights? Where's oh. the Miranda warning? Where's the what what charge? Mm. 
But we know Chad is we know Chad is a drug dealer. Yeah. Well, Chad knows that too. But you can't just say you know why you're going to jail. Take him away. And then things get worse for Chad. Oh yeah, they do. Um, uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk about the woods first um, mm. because of the characters that they bring back. Oh, you're right. You're right. So uh, they do go up to the woods. They follow Bobby. Uh, uh, he leads them to what is it? The Jackrabbit's Palace. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which is like a cool looking stump, you know. I'm sure young Bobby was really into it. Um, and he said, uh, you know, my dad always said, you know, don't ever wander around here without him. Uh, and you know what? <laughs> finally, I, I, finally, yeah. someone referenced the <laughs> the explosion that oh, uh, that happened in this area. They're like, yeah, we don't really come around here. And uh, Bobby's uh, Bobby's dad's like, you know. Uh, secret government research facility exploded 25 years ago. <laughs> it's the first time that someone's mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they did mention that. I was just kind of bothered by the parenting. Um, I take my son on trips around this like haunted alien demon yeah. like, plane area and, that I'm And they, they also, they ask him. I, I don't uh, know about that. They ask him, Bobby, did you ever go into like the, the secure government facility? And he was like, yeah, once when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was bring your son to work day at the Blue Rose investigation facility. You know, doesn't your doesn't your doesn't your kid want to learn about how we're opening a portal? How we <laughs> yeah. may or may not you know, release true evil into the world. Yeah. And he had memories of it, too. Yeah. Uh, vague memories. So, yeah. Saw a bunch of computers. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they follow the uh, the instructions. They come to a bunch of smoke, sounds of electricity. You know. Oh. They get there, and there's the woman that we've seen in uh, part three. Part three. Uh, when Coop Prime, we haven't talked about Coop Prime in a long time. When Coop Prime uh, <laughs> left the lodge, uh, basically he goes in, he talks to the woman, he leaves the facility. He sees uh, Major Briggs's head flow through the space. Uh, <laughs> he uh, flips a switch, goes back downstairs, and then the woman is, is replaced by a different woman. Um, that's as quickly as I can summarize the insanity of part three. Uh, the first woman, uh, her face was all, she was blind and her face was all cut up. Yeah. It's the same woman now. Yeah, yeah. Who's now topless. Uh, completely naked. Actually, completely naked. Yeah. Uh, we see the top half of her body, but she is in fact completely naked, mm. and is all cut up, and and is and is uh, not only not speaking, um, but making like uh, very guttural sounds, like she can't, she can't, she doesn't know English or can't can't pronounce anything. Yeah, like uh, clicking noises, almost like she's trying to echo. Yeah, I wonder if she uh, maybe her tongue was cut out or something. Maybe she's uh, deaf. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she's deaf. She's blind yeah. and deaf. I don't never, know. Never learned how to speak. Who knows? Yeah. Um. But she's kind of laying there, and it's impl- it's implied that she's very weak. Um, mm. And then uh, they're all kind of looking at her. They're not really as freaked out as I would have thought they would have been. Yeah, I had the same. They're they're taking it in. Andy is somewhat concerned and like holds her hand. Yeah. But no one is like, "What the fuck? Who are you?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're just kind of like, "Okay, all right." And then, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Should... I, I don't know if it's okay. All right. I... Well, they're 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 just they're primarily just taking in the scene. They're just kind of looking at her. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> they're not acting as law enforcement officials who have stumbled across a woman disfigured, naked, disfigured yeah. in the forest. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and then they look up in the sky, and a swirling effect sort of starts. Look! Look who's back! It's old Sky Vortex. Uh, the Sky Vortex opens up. You see some images in there, uh, and this is this is where this is my my second great frustration of all the people. Oh no, no! This is important. Of all the people to be to be sucked up into the Black Lodge and to uh, receive uh, information and guidance from supernatural beings. Why does it have to be Andy? Why? <laughs> the dumbest, least interesting person. He knows his timepieces. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, he gets sucked up into the Black Lodge, or not into the Black Lodge, into some otherworldly place, the place yeah. where the giant lives. Yeah. 
this is this is this is the figure that we've we've been calling the giant. He's just a very tall, bald, strange-looking man. Yep. He uh, there's a lot of Black Lodge esque things here. Items appearing and disappearing. Uh, Andy looks up and sees kind of like a summary of Part Eight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I guess the implication that he is, is that he uh, sees the birth of evil and sees like the birth of Bob and sees all the stuff that we saw in part eight. I mean, is that? Yeah, no, no. I think, yeah, no, I think that's right. Yeah. He's just kind of like given the cliff notes version of part eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a uh, box appears in his hand and smoke comes out of it. Um <laughs> The um the giant identifies himself as the fireman. Yeah, that's the first time this character's ever done that. Yeah. Um and that'll come up again later. Yeah. And aside from uh aside from Andy receiving this information, uh, there's no other interaction that I recall, right? Uh no, I don't think so. I think he just kind of stares at him the entire time. It kind of then you see then it cuts back to the the tree, the tree stump, which is a little ways away from where they had seen the vortex. Mm-hmm. Some interesting visual effects where it's like, you know, you don't really know how time is passing. You see shadows of, or, or not shadows, but sort of transparent uh, time effect images of the different people sort of walking around, the different police officers mm-hmm. from Twin Peaks. And then it kind of resolves and they all just start standing there. And Andy shows up and he's holding the woman. Mm-hmm. And he says, this woman is very important. We have to take her to the station to keep her safe. We can't tell anyone what happened because people will try to be after her. He's speaking very uh, authoritatively, mm-hmm. professionally. It reminded me of, um, have you seen Anchorman? Sure. Have you seen, uh, have you seen, um, when Anchorman came out, they had actually, they had um, improvised a whole bunch and then done a lot of reshoots. Mm-hmm. And they actually had a whole alternative plot mm. uh, that involved like Amy Poehler and like it involved, instead of being centered around the birth of a panda in San Francisco, it was about like, Ron Burgundy solving a crime, a string of robberies. <laughs> okay. And they ended up sort of reshooting and or, or re-editing all of this extra footage and putting it into a second movie called uh, Wake Up, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> no, I, uh, I wasn't aware of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's obviously not as good as the final, but it's, it's, it, there's pretty funny stuff. And one of the funny things is at one point, the news team, which is um, – you know, Keckner, who was in this show, yeah, yeah. and uh, Will Ferrell and Steve Carell and um, Paul Rudd uh, uh-huh. are are investigating this uh, this criminal gang, and they've they've surrounded the hideout of the criminal gang, and they're infiltrating it. And Steve Carell plays Brick, who's like a, uh-huh. a, a mentally retarded uh, person, um, who's their weatherman. And they have there's a really funny scene where they're like trying to like uh, surround the place. <laughs> and uh, and they're like, what should we do? There's there's like guards and lookouts. How should we do this? And then Brick comes up and is like, all right, Burgundy, you take two on the left. I'll sneak around the right. They won't see us coming. Synchronized watches. And Burgundy says, the captain's back. <laughs> uh, and I think good, he calls yeah. him. I think he calls him like Lieutenant Burgundy. Kind of implying that they were all in Vietnam together <laughs> because of like. Uh, PTSD or like repression. Uh, he went from a very high functioning soldier to like a yeah, low functioning yeah. weatherman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, it's back. Uh, yeah, all right. And so that that's that's what I, that's what it felt yeah. like when Andy was like, "Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're gonna do. Yeah, let's protect this woman." Andy reawakening. <laughs> the maybe, true Andy, the maybe, fighter. Yeah, maybe he's been in a. And, uh, you know, Andy Prime. Has <laughs> Andy Prime coming out. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, anyway, so, so he leads them down the mountain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Hawk talks to uh, Truman, I think, and is like, do you remember what just happened? And Truman's like, no, I have no memory of what, of what just happened. So mm-hmm. they don't know what happened. Only Andy knows that they saw smoke and then they saw a uh, vortex in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Although maybe, you know. Hawk will have a dream about Pamela Anderson and she'll remind him that there was a sky vortex. Who knows? Anything's possible. Yeah, yeah. They code back to the jail yeah. uh, or, or the uh, the police department and they put the woman in um, a cell. Yeah. 
I thought this was kind of strange. I mean, she's. I, I agree. This is this is been weird. at the very least extremely traumatized. Yeah. Uh, blind and and can't speak. Uh, they put her in a cell for her own protection. I mean, don't I mean in this situation, don't you put her in a unused office? Yeah. Post a guard or something. And they try to help her. They put her in a cell. They lock it and they leave. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They leave her with uh, Chad and this uh, this uh, alcoholic vagrant. Yeah. Very strange scene happens. Oh, so good. Uh, <laughs> the woman, uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, is unable to to make to to form cogent uh, sentences. Yeah. Speak words, um, and uh, she's just making noises. The the uh, drunk guy who is uh, like bit, like poorly bandaged and like openly bleeding from the mouth. Yeah, he seems like a he could be like a zombie. Yeah, like I honestly. think he he's like he was just attacked. Yeah. Or or is dying or like falling apart in some way. Yeah, yeah. Decomposing is kind of the feeling that I got. Yeah, you're right. No, that's, that's um, and he starts making monkey sounds yeah, to kind yeah. of mimic the sounds of helplessness that the woman is making. Right. And then Chad yells, shut up. And every, <laughs> everything he yells, the drunk guy just yells back at him. Yeah. Stop talking. Stop talking like that. Yeah. Uh, and then Chad tries to fight fire with fire by also making monkey sounds <laughs> and then stops. And then you have a weird kind of ominous cut back to the guy and, he, and you can see like a pool of blood. It's just forming at the, at the ground as he, as he's just openly bleeding just, and, and drooling. Kind yeah, like drooling or yeah. something. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to the next thing that happens, which is yeah. another just ugh, another bad, boring scene. It's these two guys. Is it? Is it? Uh, is it? Uh, it's these two security guards. Yep. And we know one of the guys, right? That's um, that's one of the guys from the original show, right? Yeah, James, the James. motorcycle rider, motorcycle guy. Okay. He was the same guy who sang in the song. He sang yeah. the song last okay. episode. Okay. And he was the guy riding around on a motorcycle with Laura before. She yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, the very emotional guy, right? Yes, yes. He's kind of a kind of like a heartthrob kind of figure. He's supposed to play yeah. like so the he, like the emo. He's like an early '90s emo mm. motorcycle mm. driver. I guess is what they were going for. Okay, uh, so he's he's a security guard. He's talking to this British guy. Yeah, uh, and this guy is it has a uh, a gardening glove. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And he then proceeds to 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 say the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah. In my life. Basically, uh, he he tells the story. He's in London being a British youth, going to the pubs, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he has this feeling that he's supposed to have sort of a higher purpose. Right at that moment, he sees some boxes, something something dumb like this. He tries to climb in the box or something and he gets sucked up into a void. A uh, sky vortex. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he even uses the term vortex as it popped out. I think he says vortex. Yeah. And then he says void. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, He's describing the inexistence. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He uses pretty high concept terminology for a blue collar London pub going security guard. Well, he was chosen for a reason. Uh, I guess. Um, he says, I meet this guy. I can't do a British accent. So I'm going to do like a New York accent. Okay. I meet this guy, uh, and he calls himself the fireman. And yeah. this is very frustrating because we just we just learned that name, and it seems very uh, I don't know too convenient. It, yeah, it, it's not uh, it's not in keeping with the show. Right. It should have uh, been something else to be com- more confusing. It, it's yeah. It's it's like it, it's very rare in the show that you learn some mythical creatures like name or purpose. And then suddenly more people related to that just start <laughs> popping up. Yeah. I mean, they really made this episode quite easy for the audience. Yeah. Uh, as long as you're pouring over every episode, uh, I guess. Yeah. Four times. And he says, I met this guy and, and, and uh, he called himself the fireman. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told him that he tells me that, uh, and this is a long story, by the way. He tells me that uh, I'm gonna go to the hardware store. I'm gonna buy a glove that's just the right glove, and it's gonna give me strength. And the strength, uh, you know, it's gonna help me achieve my destiny. Uh, 
And then, uh, sure enough, uh, wake up the next day. And he says, and he says, and I guess, you know, I got ready and I went to work. And James is like, really? And he's like, no, I'm kidding. Of course, I went to the hardware store. <laughs> what a fucking annoying shit in the story. He's like, okay, I went to the hardware store. And uh, sure enough, there's a glove there. Yeah. And uh, I try to buy it. He goes into a very long details about how the guy won't try to tries not to sell him the, the glove because because he can't sell him an open package. He goes back and forth with the shop owner. Uh, obviously, we know he gets the glove because he's wearing it, but mm-hmm. um, he ends up getting he, he ends up grabbing the glove and just running. The guy tries to stop him, and he's he, as he's running, he puts on the glove, which is kind of a strange move. And then he punches the guy and like breaks his neck, basically. kills him, yeah, or at least. Or you severely know. cripples him or something yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because of the strength. So that's how he knows that the glove has strength. And then this is the part that really annoyed me about the story. He says, yeah, and then I have this glove that gives me strength. Oh, well, one thing I forgot to mention earlier in the story, the fireman said that I had to go to Twin Peaks to fulfill my destiny. Twin Peaks, <laughs> Washington, United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just a very weird... I don't know why, but the, everything about the way that that story was told aggravated me. Yeah, you know, actually, this is one other. This is the final thing that I can remember from the first viewing of this series. Yeah. I didn't like. I didn't like this guy getting shoehorned in. This is probably for critics the biggest problem people have with the season. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, this, this guy. guy with a magic glove who's just shown up in Twin Peaks. It's just. It's just like. Yeah, it's they're shoehorning it in. You know, they have so much going on. I feel like they could have brought something else. Yeah, back. Uh, we have yep. seen this guy earlier. For what it's worth, the British guy. I, yeah, I noticed him earlier. Yeah, what was he and, doing? He actually walked in with James, and uh, I remember seeing it and thinking, "Oh, I can't believe they show this guy earlier in the series." Oh, and it's like part. Uh, it's like I think it might be part two. Four, right? Yeah. It's, am I, it yeah, and one of the I remember, remember he's at he's at the uh, the Bang Bang Bar. Yep, yeah. And there's the girls that are like, "Oh, that's James. He's really quiet, but he's still cool." <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, yeah. Okay, I remember him being with someone else. Okay, that must have been so. That's his work, buddy. Okay. Yeah, that was this guy. Um, bringing it all together. I guess. I guess. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, in this episode they're talking about going to the bang bang bar i know i had the same thought is this does this happen before i mean i guess it doesn't really matter because nothing happens after that scene that we see (laughs) right anyway this this whole magic glove story it's it's honestly it's like the dumbest thing i've ever heard (laughs) when i was watching and i was like this is not prestige television this is like Mm. this is like you know a villain in in like in like the flash on the CW describing his origin story. This exactly. is so dumb. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I had the same. I had Garden the same. Glove? Oh, just wait, just wait. I, I, I have more, more will, will reveal itself, but. All right. The, the Avengers are assembling. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Dougie has, uh, Dougie has the gift of, uh, of amazing luck at jackpot. <laughs> This guy has uh, amazing strength in his right arm. Yeah. yeah. God. Whereas just, just uh, wait till the arm. Oh, you know what it's gonna wrestling. be? Oh, I got it. Is it gonna be? Uh, this guy has an arm wrestling contest with uh, with Dark Coop. I'm not saying anything. Oh, because that's his right arm too. That are, that's also weirdly strong. That would be amazing. <laughs> we'll see. Oh Maybe my we'll god. See. That would make it all worth it. <laughs> so like, like we have to fight for the fate of the galaxy. The fate, <laughs> the fate of the fate of uh, the Pacific Northwest. The, the fate of the Pacific Northwest. That's right. That's, and uh, now I guess we get to. Uh, uh, actually, what I what I thought was uh, a good scene until it wasn't. <laughs> hmm, okay. okay. Uh, Palmer. Yeah. She uh, goes to a bar. Um, look, she she's clearly just wants to be left alone. She just wants a drink. Uh, she goes to the bar. She sits down. Um, and uh, there's a guy at the far end of the bar. He's wearing a shirt that says, truck you, which is pretty funny. He's clearly a trucker kind of guy. You know, probably just passing through town. You know, mind if I sit down? And she's like, I prefer you didn't. Right. Uh, 
something like that. Kind of firm, but 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 still generally polite. And he says, hey, it's a free country. I can sit where I want. And then he starts really going after her and accusing her of basically doing the, the, the thing that shitty guys do where if a woman rejects his advances, he says that she's a lesbian. Mm. He uses some very, very foul language. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she keeps saying, uh, uh, you need to leave me alone. Please go away. And uh, uh, one thing that he says, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll change the language a little bit, but he says like, it lo- you know, he's like, you're a lesbian, you're a dyke, you look like you, you know, eat uh, vagina. He uses a much crueler word that I won't repeat. Yeah. Um, and what's been interesting about this this interaction is she's sitting, uh, staring straight ahead, and he's sitting um, facing her. Mm. And they do a pretty common two-shot where it's supposed to be, you know, his face and her face. But what's kind of cool is because they're not facing the same direction, when it shows his face, it just shows him kind of straight on. Yeah. And when it shows her, it's over his shoulder just seeing the side of her face. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty tight shot. And it's actually very uh, – it's very cool. It looks like she's – it kind of it, – it draws you in as the viewer and it kind of makes you feel like, like she's going to reveal something. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and uh, sure enough, uh, I mean, said, we, I, I think we should emphasize that he is being like super aggressive. Yeah, yeah, he's he's being a really bad guy. Yeah, um, and is really in her space, and is is harassing her. And uh, there's there's very little doubt that this will um, that he's going to turn violent. Or I think or he something. threatens to like cut cut off her. Her breasts, right? Doesn't it's, it's yeah, uh, it's hard to tell what's just uh, what's just uh, you know and, and violent rhetoric and and, right. and what is actually a threat. I don't know, cool. but it's all very bad. And then um, at one point he says, "You look like you, you know, eat vagina." And she turns to him, and the music suddenly becomes very dramatic. Mm-hmm. And, and she says, "I'll eat you." Right? Yeah, yeah. And it was really like I was watching. I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> you know, this, this went up a notch, uh, and then you know, and and I was, you know, just like just like when someone uh, you know insults Dark Coop, and yeah. he turns to them, shark eyes. You're like, this this person's about to die. <laughs> uh, great line. If I ever get into like a shouting match with like somebody on the road, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out the I'll eat you. Because <laughs> uh, what do you say to that? Uh, well, the guy the guy's like the guy's like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not, he's not uh, scared. He's just kind of thrown he's for a loop. But he's just yeah. like he's just like what like huh? And then she looks at him and she kind of stands up and she says, "Do you really want to?" I think it's something like, "Do you really want to to fuck with this?" Yeah, yeah. And I was so on board, and then this is where it lost me. Oh no! She puts her hand on her face yeah, yeah. and removes her face. Yeah. To reveal that there is darkness in her head. Yeah, yeah. There's a face in there. Uh, there's the face. There's a face of evil. It kind of looks like there's there's a couple different images that you can't mm. really make out. One of them looks like the uh, nightmare figure that killed yep. the people in part one. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and then and then she closes the face and it's her face again. And uh, the only time we've seen this before is um, Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer takes off her face, and it's uh, shining gold, right? Yeah, it's pure light, pure good, pure pure light, pure. Uh, what I what we now know is pure goodness, I guess. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and this this is pure darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this guy is like, ah, uh, ah, uh, and it's like scared and backs away, and then she takes it a step further and quickly lunges forward and bites uh, about a third of his neck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he falls over and collapses. In a heap of blood. Yeah, hell yeah. Did you say hell yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then she screams. She kind of reverts right back into regular Mrs. Palmer. Yeah, smart move. For a second. Or maybe she's not aware, right? Well, I guess the next scene proves that she is. Yeah, yeah. At first, I thought that maybe she had lost control of herself. Right, like she had disassociated you, from the event or something. Yeah, yeah, but then it kind of seems like she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. So she... Uh, she she's like ah she screams the bartender walks up and is like what the hell happened and she's like he fell over and started bleeding and he's like most of his neck is missing right did you do this and she's like no i I didn't do it and uh, he's like well i mean something happened you know (laughs) right and uh and and she's like hey it wasn't me and he looks at her he's like 
there are going to be questions. And then she suddenly becomes very tough and cold and looks at him and very kind of wryly says, yeah, it's a mystery. Yeah. Kind <laughs> and of, he kind of freaks out by that too. Yeah. Smart move. Get the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the police aren't helping. They're off on their sky vortex that's right. tour. Most of the police uh, department is gone uh, on their hike. <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah that's friday night they're probably out hiking again yeah yeah and then they'll say they'll say guys where were you we called 911 someone's neck got bitten off and they'll be like well we don't really remember where we were <laughs> we were out for a hike and then andy found this naked woman and just put her in jail and i don't really know yeah so i'll say i really i mean you know, uh, just just like with the Matthew Lillard stuff, I thought it was really well shot, mm-hmm. very good acting. It really yeah. draws you in. Yeah. Um, but you know, then it has to go all Twin Peaks, and she has to remove her face and <laughs> yeah, yeah, reveal. Yeah. Like, why can't she just be evil with her tone? You uh, know, like this woman can can. Yeah. I don't know because she's. You know, you know, if 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 this yeah. guy was like. I'm going to, you know, fuck you up or whatever. And she says, I'll eat you. And he goes, what? And then she looks at him and says, do you really want to fuck with me? And he, and, and, and something, you know, and the guy just like gets scared. I'd be like, whoa, she's, she's like kind of evil. Maybe maybe, maybe even give like, give her like some like shark eyes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A little more subtle than she, I mean, and also why does she do this? Why does she take off her face? Yeah, because she's you know she's showing him, this showing is who him. I am. This is who I am. Well, this is who you decided to fuck with. I'm gonna enjoy getting to destroy you. Uh, you know, I, I think that's what that is. That's that's part of the why she did it to terrify him and then to terrify him and then kill him. Yeah, uh, she's like playing with her food, literally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean she's evil. For someone who's like undercover evil, it seems like a. I mean, it's a little risky, but you know, she she was into it, just like Bob. You know. Yeah, I guess she's I like guess. the she's like the female version of Bob. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. And I, I I think that's the whole point of the show, which is to to kind of to shine the light on abuse, sexual childhood sexual abuse, and I think the point of this this arc, a big part of the season, really, which is starting to reveal itself, is the um the other members in the family who are complicit who are really complicit because she knew what her husband was doing to laura that's fine so i get people people disagree and debate that but i'm convinced that's the whole point of her character being evil mm-hmm. like this is i think is she knew what her husband was doing to laura and i think this is like yeah, the yeah. evil um from that manifesting itself do you think it's just is it sort of developed over time because I didn't get the sense that she was right, right. Bob level evil. Yeah, I think that's the argument. Some people say, "Oh, this thing has been born in her because she was so she felt so guilt ridden by what happened to Laura, and she didn't save her." Hmm. Um, I tend to think that this is just how she was before, always. Hmm. It just wasn't revealed to the audience. All right. Well, she's definitely you know. A predator. <laughs> I remember. I remember you uh, saying that, that that when when she was watching a uh, National Geographic Raw. Yeah, yeah. That that, that was important. I, I suppose that's what she, this is what you're referring to, right? That she's also kind of like a a meat eater. It, yeah, exactly. You predator. know, because in the she, um, she she's the apex predator of Twin Peaks right now. Ex, ex, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, she's the great white shark. And then uh, finally, we cut to the Bang Bang Bar. Mm. There's two girls, and you know these people are so forgettable. Are, are these two girls that we've seen before? I, honestly, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Every time lately, it's been like it's been two young people talking about like hooking up or or something. Right. Uh, and now they're talking about a story about Billy. Yeah. I think that Billy is the guy that's in jail. I think you're right. Because and this, and I'm I'm referring to the drunk guy who's like decomposing mm. in the jail next to the blind woman and Chad because she <laughs> talks about how the, the two girls are talking and they're like oh have you seen Billy and she's like no and the other one's like well no one's seen him and she's like actually I did see him 
I was at, I, I was with my, my mom in my house and he, we saw him through the window and he ran to the house and he stuck his, what, his head in the sink mm-hmm. and he was all bloody, I think. And then he looked at us and then he ran out of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's Billy. And the weird part was, I believe Audrey, remember the woman who's talking to the little person and like the weird coma yeah. netherworld we decided they're talking about they're she's trying to find billy too oh that's right and then they asked this woman what she goes what's the name of your mother and the woman who's telling this story about her uncle named billy yes. says yeah. tina which is another tina. name that audrey used but then the her interlocutor this other woman kind of looks at her like i think you're lying to me kind of look yeah, or that the name is very suspicious or it means something to her. Right, right. Uh, so I don't know what any of this means. Okay. It's, You're right, those are the same names. Um, right. So presumably this is the same thing, although although we had kind of agreed <laughs> that Audrey was in a dream state. Right, right. It's And I was pretty sure that none of those people were storylines were real. I, I, I was convinced of that too because I just kind of blacked all of this out. I'm trying to rationalize what is the purpose of this. Is this a spoof of Twin Peaks? <laughs> I, it's, it's a bunch. It's a, is it a spoof of season three? Because it's a bunch of interlocking characters who have weird violence occur to them. It's the it's the Twin Peaks within the Twin Peaks. I mean, it kind of is. And that was the episode. That's it. Yeah, what did you uh, what did you think? Lay it you on. Know, oh, I mean, I loved it. I I I had some faults with it, but they were kind of easily explained away by just the you know, this is Twin Peaks being Twin Peaks. They're you know they're gonna they're gonna miss the little things. But they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna hit those half court shots. They're gonna, they're gonna <laughs> nail the the things that are gonna blow your mind. This is an A. This is an A for me. This is an A. Good basketball is like the layups, the fundamentals. No, 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 no. You just like seeing half court dunks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Three pointers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy going on in the sky vortex. <laughs> Weird thirty second window cleaners. Oh my gosh! Just nail, just just dropping them from all over the court. And I'm loving it's, it. You yeah. said you said A. Is that right? Yeah, A. Yeah, I'm giving it an oh. A. It's not, I mean, it's not quite, I mean, it's not like the other A's. This is the weakest of the A's I've given. The weakest of the A's? Yeah. but this Still is, more than A minus. Still more than A minus, yeah. Oh, gosh. I All loved right. it. Okay. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, for me, uh, I'll, I, I'll say B. Wow. Yeah. I, you, uh, you know, that's kind of what I thought. I thought you would like it more than others, but you seem so down on it. You started with, I hate it. Uh, yes, I, I really did. Um, and, and, you know, just sort of going over what we talked about. I think your hate is compounding uh, week <laughs> by week. Uh, I'll tell you why it's not an F. It's because the way that they did the uh, the Mrs. Palmer. Yeah, I mean, that was so good. Even the, just the first half of it was really like, this is this is like you know, stuff that I would expect to see in like great movies or like great TV. It's like these cool camera angles, this great acting, this like really this like tension that they build. Yeah. They use the music right at the right moment. I mean, they don't pull any punches with the language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're watching Showtime, baby. This isn't CBS. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, something's going to happen to this guy. What, is she going to just, is she going to, is she going to collapse? In like a PTSD, is she just going to scream? Is she going to run away? Because she's been a very weak character so far. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you, then she turns and she says, "I'll eat you." <laughs> and then it's like, if she turns, the, the music turns, the scene turns all together, and I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, this is it." I was so into it. Um, and then she takes her face off. <laughs> I mean, this this security guard conversation is just is. On the other end of the spectrum, this is like, oh, it's crazy. Like, this is a spoof. This, this, yeah. this, this is, this is, so this is, I think, with Mark Frost and Lynch are looking at the camera and winking. <laughs> I mean, it was. That's but the it only way funny. I can explain it because it's completely insane. Yeah, I, I, honestly, a D is pretty generous. 
Yeah. So uh, what, what did uh, what did our good friends at AV Club have to say? Yeah, they weren't quite up there with me, but A minus. A minus. They still okay. loved it. Yeah. Yeah. They loved it. I feel like this was another um, another Mark Frost under fire, trying to trying to connect some dots. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely trying to pull things together now. This was a good. This was like a good plot episode compared to the other ones. Compared to episode nine, but the plot that revealed was not good or satisfying. <laughs> it's not going to be satisfying. It's going to be misery. Yeah.